Hello and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Today it is TJ. How do I respond to that? Wait, you want me to say today? It is Saturday. <laughs> I just didn't know what November twenty third. I just didn't expect the day to be my name, but I'm a huge fan of so, that. So today is TJ'er Day. Yay! And it's also Chris'er Day. <clears throat> but it's the two of us again today. Um, you know, a lot of talkie talkers have a lot of life stuff going on. Uh, I did for the last three weeks, four weeks, so amnesty given to all. Excuses. <laughs> I've been here every day. <laughs> You've just been like, there is a a 27 day long podcast of just silence of TJ in the room. <laughs> but last week we talked about the TV shows we've been watching in our, uh, not really downtime, but in our time not recording watch lists. And so now we've got a bunch of new movies that we want to talk about um, that are 2019 movies. Uh, I, I kind of positioned this episode to be uh, not really Oscar talk, but there are definitely Oscar movies in here. Um, so take that as you will. This holiday season, there's there's no good Thanksgiving movies. We looked at it. It's a really shitty list. Um, While you were sleeping's good. But... <laughs> The I, mean, I said the list was shitty, not the movies on the list. Um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about some movies we've been watching. The list is all out of order, <laughs> written wrong, words are misspelled. Starts with number seven, and then it says that the next the next number is TJ, and so it freaks him out again. Right. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to talk about some movies we've been watching, and I want to start with one that we both watched. Best Picture Frontrunner. <laughs> yeah, I think I said, hey TJ, I watched this movie, Your Move. Yeah, a very... Uh... Christmas Prince 2017 vibe I yeah. got from that challenge. Yeah, we threaten each other with movies. Um, by the way, the third uh, movie in the Christmas Prince trilogy is coming out in the coming Wait, weeks. Wait, third? Yeah. I thought it was the sequel. No. Nope. What's the sequel called? Uh, the Christmas Prince <laughs> Return of the Christmas Prince. <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> the Christmas Prince Wars. <laughs> the Christmas uh, Princess Strikes Back. That's... Um, but we watched the Disney Plus original movie, uh, Noel. Yeah, the first and, and only right now, right? Uh, there's another... The Lady of the Tramps on there, too. I didn't get around to watching oh, that. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. That just felt like a theatrical release that was also on Disney Plus for some reason. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. So I said, hey, TJ, I watched Noel, your move, and then you watched Noel. Which I watched I Noel. is the appropriate move. Yeah, it's only 80 minutes long, so it wasn't that much of a chore. Yeah. And, and also charming. Yeah. It's if if you're not if, if you're gonna watch a Christmas movie, this would not be a bad one. Yeah, no, a couple of running gags that were funny. I mean, the overall running gag was pretty funny, which is Noel plays uh, Santa Claus's daughter, and she goes to get her brother who was ran away to Phoenix, Arizona, back. Yeah. So the culture clash from the North Pole to Phoenix, as you can imagine. Yeah. Was hilarious. Yeah, I bet people who live in Phoenix would find it even funnier. So if you're listening to this in Phoenix, check out Noel. Yeah, and some weird side characters I didn't know were in the movie. I think that happened to you too. Like Billy Eichner was in there and Yeah, uh, he plays the North Pole's tech guy. Yeah. Who tries to optimize the Christmas night and the naughtier nice list, which ends up cutting everyone but like two thousand eight hundred and seventy three. But it's funny it's always funny to me to see a toned down Billy Eichner. Um which yeah, it's rare. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not his shtick. Yeah, um, Julie Haggerty plays Mrs. Claus. Uh, I guess people would know her from Airplane. Mm-hmm. She's the lead there. She was fine. Shirley MacLaine 
pretty good. Yeah, Ron Funches plays a like bit side character as the leader of the elves choir. Um, I was looking up Julie Haggerty's name, and for some reason went to Airplane instead of the movie that we are talking about. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a charming little movie. Uh, I would recommend it. I mean, if, if you wanted to watch all of Disney Plus's original content right now, you could, I think there's only like 11 title cards up there right now. Um, this being one of them, it's not really like, oh my God, this is the greatest Christmas movie ever, but it's a, no, but if you like the Hallmark Christmas movies or, uh, Netflix original Christmas movies, yep. uh, this is probably the best of those. Yeah, yeah. This this is this is above the watermark for those. It's got uh, Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader, so they're charming. Yeah, and they're talented. Yeah, and Anna uh, Kendrick, a really cute baby reindeer, <laughs> fucking adorable. Yeah. Um, Chris just rolled it out as a baby reindeer. I just want the world to know that. So step one, get the world to listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Grinch. This is not a bah humbug, bah humbug moment, but I, I didn't understand why they had to have Snowy the baby reindeer. Like, I guess that's for kids because it's a Disney movie. I don't know. I thought he was cute. Okay. What was wrong with him? I don't know. Too much of him. But I mean, like... <laughs> This might be like, I don't know, what's wrong with beer? There's too much beer. Like, well, No. It's like, what was wrong with him for there to be too much of him? Well, yeah, if beer is too much beer, if I have 90 minutes to enjoy beverages, if I want to drink the whole time, and someone's like, all right, well, here's your 12 beers. Okay, like, the beer is a bad thing. That's too much beer. But why not too much Anna Kendrick? Because she was, you liked her. So yeah. why did you not like the reindeer? Because it was just a sight gag. That's uh, it. Okay. It just felt like a cheap, cheap, cheap joke. Not for me, which it probably is because it is a Disney movie about Christmas. <laughs> True, <laughs> the whole movie's probably not for me, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. But we talk about Christmas Prince. You must have really hated that weddings and Christmas. <laughs> I love the Christmas Prince. Christmas <laughs> Prince is phenomenal. <laughs> no, but uh, let's let's talk about some more serious movies. Uh, TJ, <laughs> I gather that you went and watched uh, uh, Bong Joon Ho's new movie. Yeah. Par- par- parasite. Parasite. It was uh, 100% lived, living up to the hype. Uh, Brent saw it too, so I'm sure he'll have words to say about it when uh, he joins us again. But uh, yeah, no, just phenomenal. Uh, I gave five stars to the host as well. Uh, but this is one of those movies when you walk out of the theater, you're just like, oh yeah, that was... If somebody was like, that's the best movie of the decade, I wouldn't really blink it up. Yeah. Um, you walk out and there's just something different about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to, I went into it completely blind. Uh, and I know I want you to do that as well, since you're the one who got me into Bong Joon-ho in the first place via the host and like episode three of this podcast or whatever it was. It's fun to know that sometimes you, you your convictions actually are right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't want to talk too much about the plot, but the performances are great, the direction's great, the story is very Bong Joon-ho in the way that you think the movie's about one thing, and then it's about this, and you're sure it's about this, but then that happens five more times. Okay. So, um, it's a fly-by-cat. We haven't had that in a long time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really good. Uh, a couple of performances in particular are great, which... It's saying something for me because it is hard for me to tell in foreign films right. when the acting is good. Uh, not in a, not like woke kind of way, but yeah. just in a like, not I don't if, know, I don't, can't tell where their inflection is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're, 
The which is like ninety five percent of acting. I feel like yeah. So yeah, it's really good. I can't recommend it enough. It is almost assured a best picture nom and a, probably a director nom for Bong Joon Ho. Well, a screenplay probably. Screenplay, yeah. I mean, it'll get five or six Oscar nominations. None for acting, I doubt. Uh, it's a stacked year for acting in bad movies, which is always bad for good movies that have pretty good acting. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so, I think this year in the Oscars, not to derail our 2019 movie conversation too much, but you get a lot of, like, Renee Zellweger and Judy or uh, Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers that are, like, going to get nominations right? in movies that nobody really gives a shit about, but they're, like... Either career Oscar noms or like Jennifer Lopez from Jennifer Lopez is going to get nominated for Hustlers. Yeah, like top two. Wow. Yeah, I would. I need to read your guys' articles. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, she's she's almost a lock at this point. Uh, But what I've heard, she's amazing in it. So it's like, oh, she was really good. Let's go ahead and do that. Kind of like Cake and Jennifer Aniston, although that didn't happen. But um, or Sandra Bullock and Blindside. Okay, you know what I mean. That that kind of Oscar nomination. I doubt she'll win. Although I had her at number one up until this month. Hmm. Um, what pushed her out? Uh, Laura Dern in Little Women, I believe. Okay. Um, but she's up there still, and you know, it'll it'll be a thing. But yeah, go check out Parasite. It's we'll definitely cross the movie off your Oscar list in some way, mm-hmm. like a hundred percent. Production design was incredible. Uh, I don't know, just really, really good. Sweet. I'm always I'm always excited for Bong Joon Ho's wacky weird rides. Even if even the movies where you go into it and you watch it and then it's like pretty straightforward. Like I feel like Snowpiercer is his most accessible movie, where it's like it's a bizarre sci fi concept in that you know humanity lives on this train. But when you think about like the plot, like not to make the pun, but like the vehicle is really straightforward. Yeah, I think we talked about Snowpiercer on the movies that are like video games podcasts. Yeah. And it is very much that way. It's just like fucking levels and then there's a final boss. Yeah. Big, big goofs. Like, it is the most linear movie it could possibly be. (laughs) Um, Which, in you know, knowing now and reading as much as I've read about Bong Joon-ho, like, that was totally on purpose. Yep. Um, So, yeah, but absolutely go check out Parasite. If you're local, it's playing at the Terra only right now. But the thing about Terra, which is our local indie house theater, if you're not local to Atlanta, um, it holds movies for a long time. Yeah. Uh, especially with Oscar nominations being pushed up this year. going to come out in January. Uh, I bet they try to hold on to it till then. Yeah. And see how much buzz it has then. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I'm guessing right now they're showing The Lighthouse. They're showing <laughs> Parasite. They're not showing Lighthouse. They're right now. They're showing a couple of documentaries, which is weird. Okay, but I think they're they will show the Lighthouse, especially again if Defoe gets a nomination or uh, Pattinson. Yeah, I think it would be Defoe, but that movie's got a cinematography shot, right? And maybe like you know, there's Black always that like one indie director that gets in. Yeah, this is the same guy who directed The Witch. Okay, <clears throat> so he's like Ingvar um, Tolzig. Yeah, is that yeah. his name? Yeah, I think so. So if you're listening and it's not, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so he's like a method director, if that was a thing. Yeah. So maybe there, but I don't know. That movie is, just looks insane. Yeah. But we didn't watch that. No. We um, other things. But uh, we did watch another movie that is going to be nominated, um, I think, for Best Visual Effects, and it's uh, Lion King 2019. Both of us saw it. Do you not have this on your Lion King, on your Oscar list? No, I don't. Only because I have, like, uh... Pull up the website. 
But, yeah, I watched this uh, on the break. Uh, I watched it a few months ago, so it's another one we've both seen. Yeah, so I, 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 I was surprised by it. Um, because I was expecting, you know, hearing all the news about it, that it was going to like, detract from the Lion King story. It being, like, live action. But it really doesn't. Um, it's, you know, this, the same story, uh, it's just still really good. I mean, it's fucking Hamlet or Macbeth. I forget which one it actually is, but Hamlet. Hamlet. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Well, first off, you know, I'm not, and I think you share my, my thought on this more so than Brent and David, although I think they agree with us too, that the, uh, this movie taking anything away from any other movie is so yeah like it's pointless anti-gay marriage vibe right. you know what I mean like why does it matter yeah why do you care if it, it sucks it sucks you don't have to think about it all the time right like and then it doesn't suck because it's super true to the original story and the Lion King yeah um I mean I gave it four stars instead of five stars which is a whole star less than I gave the original Lion King because some of the graphics were a little weird to me Baby Simba creeped me out some. <laughs> but, uh... What? Is it like you, you can't have too much beer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't. <laughs> but, uh... There were some other choices that were weird. Like, yeah. I don't know why they got decided to get rid of the hyena trio. But, okay. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. Like, I, I worry if they think Ed was, like, racist. Uh, <laughs> Somehow. I don't know. I mean, it's it is funny because it's it's not because Ed isn't one of them, but there are still three hyenas. There's two of them are unnamed. Yeah, in the in the remake, right? Um, but and Eric Andre is clearly playing the Ed stand-in, right? But I mean, even his part too was was funny, like because that's pretty much the only thing. Thinking back on it, that they like completely changed. Well, yeah, it's a, it's definitely the biggest change. Yeah, and there's some other shit like uh, Zazu doesn't get caught by Scar, so you miss all those, which is one of my favorite little gags in the movie. Yeah, when he's running back into the cage or whatever. Mm. But uh, did you have any favorite voice acting in the film? I thought that Alfred Woodard was the best addition. Oh, uh, nice playing Sarabi. Yeah, she was good. I thought Seth Rogen and. Billy Eichner were fantastic too. I know they were really good. I also really liked that they let them be like the whole comedic element of it, where yes. like they broke the fourth wall in talking about like they did the uh, you know when I was a young warthog bit, and then he says like, "Aren't you going to stop me?" Like instead of yeah, you know when he says you know this is a kids movie, and then he says fart real loud. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a fine movie. I don't really understand the backlash as much. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was if you like the Lion King, you should like this. Yeah, and I did. Yeah, for both. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, tell me about this late entry for Spooktober. You've got, oh yeah, you've got two here, uh, but I want to know first about uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, uh, Guillermo del Toro produced movie that had a lot of buzz based off a book that was. Probably aimed for people a little older than Chris and I. Um, I read those books when I was a kid. So it's 38-year-olds? Yeah. (laughs) I I read those books when I was like, I don't know, 10. And they scared the shit out of me. Yeah. They have really creepy illustrations that were like just pencil drawn. But uh, 
Yeah, they had like that Maurice Sendak style. Not he was an illustrator, but where it's like every line is kind of overdrawn, really sketchbook looking. Yeah. So the movie not that great. It's it average. I don't want to like shit on it. Okay. Um, it's just a very like standard ghost plot of like this ghost needs help get in the house and help the ghost and then you'll be free of all the shit yeah convince the ghost that they're doing bad things and then there's some cool looking monsters along the way but so is it told in like a series of vignettes or is it like is it like four or five discrete stories or is there a through line so there is a through line of a ghost in a house that uh was a girl who I forget now either was like albino or Something was weird about her that made her family lock her in a basement. Yeah. In the, like, Victorian era in New England. And uh, she wrote books with her own blood. Mm. And those stories come to life when those stories are read. Okay. So that's how they got a few of the story monsters in to right. the movie. Because uh, they would, like, read it. Uh, or she, they stole the book from the mansion is what happened. And then they would open the book and the story would appear in blood. And they would try to figure out who that monster was trying to kill. That's the whole fucking film. Okay. Um, now and, you don't have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, I mean, it's fine. It's not anything. It's very, very forgettable. Okay. Some of the monsters look cool. That's about it. Yeah. So does she... I was going to say, like... <laughs> like, it, how old was the girl when she was writing the book? Uh, unknown, but like, I don't know. Between 15 and 25. Man. I feel like there's so many opportunities to make like cool things become real <laughs> if you've got that power. Yes. Well, I mean, if your goal was to kill people, she did it in a cool way. Okay. I didn't know her goal was to kill people. I thought it was just like... Well, I don't know what her fucker goal was. I don't know if she knew what her goal was. Because if it was like, Dear Diary, today I kissed Zach Smith. <laughs> and he was, and then Zach Smith just appears like his bloody ghost monster. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I don't know why he's the SNL announcer. Let's see Padra. What am I doing here? Melissa Uh Yeah, I don't know. It's it's also like, why didn't she just write herself out of the dungeon she was in? I mean, I don't know the mechanics of this. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not. Uh, trying I don't want to like poke holes in the yeah, I'm not, shitty horror movie. I'm not pushing at the plot, hoping that it bends and breaks. I'm saying, why didn't she make uh, diary entries like teenage American girls do? But right. There's clearly no answer to that. So tell me about the one you liked more. That is the surprising one. Yeah, these are totally flipped. Uh, I watched Crawl, which the past like seven times I told you or any podcast people I've ran into that I watched Crawl and it was good. They're like, Crawl? And I'm like, God damn, I guess that's, I guess I'm from here. <laughs> I don't know why I can't say Crawl. 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 Uh, fucking super fun yeah. monster horror movie. So this is the movie where, uh, there's a hurricane in Florida, and everyone's evacuated, except one woman can't get a hold of her dad, so she goes to evacuate him, finds him trapped in the basement, and there's a killer alligator down there? Uh, yeah. Alright, that's it. So, let's talk about the next... No, I'm just kidding. So, they, well, it's more than a killer alligator. There's an alligator keeping them captive in the basement, and they can't get themselves free. There's, like, a little place separated with pipes, yeah. and they can get on the other side of that, uh, and the alligator can't get to them. But they can't get out and the floodwaters are coming in. Right. So there's that whole story. But there's a uh, runoff next to the house. And uh, there's a nest in there. So it's like hundreds of alligators. Okay. I mean, maybe not hundreds, but tens. Yeah. Uh, There's not like a killer croc. Okay. It is 
There are alligators everywhere. Okay. It's um, Florida. Yeah. Just fucking true. Yeah. <laughs> to, to quote uh, Robert California in the office, why would you want to live there? There are literal dinosaurs there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's super fucking fun. Just like, it was... Like, it fully embraces how cheesy the concept is and just plays it straight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like not a lot of comic relief. Uh, it doesn't need it. The movie is like super compact, maybe a hundred minutes long, and it just knows what it's doing, and it's super fun. I mean, sure, some of the shit's not crazy believable, but that's not what you're looking for in an animal horror movie. Yeah, I, I'm interested in watching that that dinosaur do the kickflip in the bathroom up the. the scene was cool, wall. man. <laughs> yeah, I was that. ready to make fun of it, and it was kind of fucking cool. Um, she's a like mediocre Division One swimmer. Okay. In the movie. So that plays in and they don't do anything super cheesy with that. She doesn't outswim an alligator in open water? No, not outswim him. <laughs> she makes it somewhere safely one time. Okay. While alligators are chasing her, but they are definitely swimming faster than her. How, how much cooler would it have been if she was like a decent Division One water polo player? <laughs> just like running up the water? <laughs> she was just she was just like beating the gators with stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but super violent, super scary at times. It was well worth the four dollars I spent to rent on Amazon. Wow! Yeah, it was it was a lot of fucking fun. Man, <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the times where I've recommended a movie where it's cost like four dollars to rent it, and you're just like, "Nah, I'll wait." <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm the one who'll spend money. Yeah, the other two. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> oh, David, he told me he just saw Endgame recently. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder why his review? What platform did that come out on? His review, thumbs up. Yeah, it's pretty good. I was telling Cass after we walked out, after we walked out of Parasite last night. I was like, "Well, it's another five star movie for me this year." And she's like, "What are the other ones?" And I was like, "Us was a five star film, and Midsummer, I gave it five stars." And then there's two more, and I can't remember what they are. And then I remember they were Endgame and Toy Story Four, which are five star movies. Or you're just like, "Well, yeah, yeah, of course they're five star movies," <clears throat> but. So now I've got a movie that I want to interject in the conversation. Uh, this is also an airplane watch. Um, I'm going to leave while you're talking about it. I didn't see it. <clears throat> but I watched uh, The Art of Self-Defense. Ooh. Yeah. The, Oddly, Jesse Eisenberg was on a... Uh, I almost called them our fellow podcasters like to put them on the same level as us. <laughs> they were on... Uh, Jesse Eisenberg was on Mabim Bam. Oh, uh, my brother, my brother, and me recently. Oh, the lesser podcast. <laughs> yeah, the lesser podcast with infinitely more listeners. Yeah, um, I think that's that might be where I heard of it first. Well, okay. guys, <laughs> was on that episode of Bim Bam. Yeah, um, but man, it is a bizarre movie. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's like it is Jesse Eisenberg gets mugged, and then like is an absolute. And I don't want to use these terms, but they're just appropriate. Is a complete beta male. Let's everyone walk all over him. People take advantage of him. Like talk to him like shit, and then he like goes to a uh, karate dojo just by chance, and watches somebody teaching the kids and see like these like structured rules, and decides that he's going to start karate. And that's basically the whole movie. And then there's some like there's weird, uh, <clears throat> there's like a surreal aspects to the leader of the dojo claiming that the grandmaster of that dojo became the grandmaster after he uh, killed the other three in 
grandmasters in town in uh, open combat by plunging his single index finger through their skulls and into their brain. Sweet. So they're so, which makes them like definitively like the best karate dojo in town. Yeah, um, fair. And that like inspires Jesse Eisenberg to like be one hundred percent on board. Um, but then like it's just it's it is a it is a funny movie that uh, in just like how much it kind of pokes fun at like martial arts culture and uh, that like alpha male attitude. Um, which is to me really hilarious because I think all that's just hogwash. Um, but like he's talking to the to the to the to the uh, sensei, and he's and the sensei's like, "What you have a problem that like you think that that like you're scared of people?" He's like, "Well, what music do you listen to?" He's like, oh, "I don't know, like uh, soft rock, uh, you know, just a- anything." And he's like, "Yeah, fuck that shit. You need to listen to metal." And then he like puts on some of its metal and he's like he's like, what do you think about that? He's like, I, I kinda hate it. He goes, perfect. And so Ugh. it's like that. Um, how is the the movie gives me a very uh, violent vibe in like a uh, you remember the movie Super? Yeah. That kind of way? Um it's not 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 as much with uh, what's your name getting her face blown off, but more like the, the hammer be- Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. wrenching somebody in the head or whatever. Yeah, it's not that bad. Okay. Um it's 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 a pretty it's it's realistic without being like hyper violent because okay. um, it is still just karate and it's mostly people sparring but like some people do get the shit beat out of them and their arms broken and stuff but it's it's all like it all takes place within like the square dojo mat so no oh, weird yeah yeah I, I'm definitely it piqued my interest um, I just don't know it looked it looked fucking weird and it sounds like it was pretty yeah. fucking weird it was an interesting weird little movie nice. Um, but yeah, and then I've, I've slated myself to talk again next, yeah. um, but I also watched, uh, a little bit ago, uh, but a long time coming, I watched, uh, My Name is Dolomite. Right, uh, yeah, man, it was on my list this week, because I knew you had seen it, and I never got around to it. Yeah. Got Eddie Murphy in my top five. Nice. What about Snipes? Nope. He's not gonna snipe his pot? <laughs> uh, so, I don't I, my brother watched, took his youngest daughter last night to watch, um, Frozen 2? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the oldest daughter went by herself to see that. But, um, uh, not Won't You Be My Neighbor, that was the name of the documentary last year. Uh, but the Mr. Rogers, Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. That's out this year. Uh, and Tom Hanks is getting campaigned by uh, the studio in the supporting actor category. Interesting. I know that the movie is a lot about his like son. Right. So, I don't know what the movie's about, really, but he's bumping out a lot of, pretty much not giving a lot of people a chance to get into that fifth spot, because it's being taken up by Tom Hanks. Okay. Um, but yeah, My Name is Dolomite. <coughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really good. It's a, so, have you seen a Dolomite movie? I did, in preparation for this, the, uh... The one they're making during this movie? Yeah, it was on Netflix before yeah. this one came out. Yeah, I, I, I had also seen that. Uh, it's which, just the most black exploitation, black exploitation movie you can find. Yeah, and it's it's and it kind of addresses that. Um, so it follows the guy. I don't have my phone on me. It fell on the ground. I was going to have it. Oh, it's right on TJ. Um, <clears throat> but it follows the guy who plays the titular Dolomite, kind of at the beginning of his career, um, all the way through until the completion of his first film. Um, and 
kind of gives you uh, similar vibes to the the fuck was the name of that? <coughs> uh, I can't remember anything right now. Uh, Black Dynamite. No, <laughs> the, the 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 Tommy Wiseau, uh, but it had James Franco in it. Oh, uh, the worst movie ever made. What was that fucking thing called? Disaster Artist. Yes, it kind of has like like Disaster Artist vibes to it near the end, where it's like, how are we making this movie? Like, are we really making it with this awful kung fu? And uh, you know, Eddie Murphy's character, uh, Dolomite. <laughs> Uh, Rudy Ray Moore. Right. Um, basically saying, like, yes, this is exactly what people want. Right. And so the part where they kind of address the black exploitation, he's like going to get people to be in this movie, and he recruits uh, Keegan Michael Key. His character is like a playwright in the area who's like trying to give a voice to young black playwrights and actors. Oh, nice. And he's like, I want you to write my movie. And he's like, Why do you want me? He's like, Because you can obviously write well, and that's all I care about. And now write my movie. It's got to have like. Karate and kung fu and boobs and boobs and explosions and car chases, and he's like, "Well, why do you want that? Like, don't you want to do something important?" He goes, "No, I want to see stuff that black people want to see, and that's what black people want to see." Right. So he's just like very capitalist-minded about it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he's like Jimmy Buffett. I get it. Yeah, um, but it's really good. He's really good in it. Um, you kind of see both sides of the Rudy Ray Moore character. You get to see the like. Um, he had like some really vulgar comedy albums that came out before uh, uh, the movies came out where he was playing like Dolomite where it was just like uh, they portrayed as he kind of stole the like the hobo poet kind of style where it's just putting together like dirty limericks um, presumably so that you can walk around and like get like you know donations from people as you do it okay um, and so he kind of steals that uh, from a local guy and uh, records it. And so you kind of see him going through like the ups and downs of like his career failings and successes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, kind of through his trajectory trying to... He's really he's really just trying to make a bunch of money. Right. Like, there's uh, You would love to say that there's like some magnanimous aspect of him. Like he wants to do this for like such and such reason. Or like empower like black he's Just speakers. a businessman. Just a businessman. He wants to make a bunch of money. I'm down. Um so it's pretty straightforward. Uh, Wesley Snipes is hired as the director. He's uh, his character is hired as the director. He's like a moderately successful actor in other black exploitation films. Nice. Uh, who got a chance to direct like some small shitty movie, and they like run into him at a strip club. But he's he acts very like auteur about the whole thing, which is a funny kind of juxtaposition. Fun because in the Dolomite movie, <laughs> the sex scene in it they have like the room collapse around them as they're having sex uh, because Rudy Ray Moore was uncomfortable with the idea of having a filmed sex scene so they just decided to like make it really comedic huh. and uh, it's funny because Snipes' character is on set and he's just like rolling his eyes the whole time and then finally he's like that is the worst thing I've ever filmed and he goes but it sure was fucking funny and like <laughs> gives him like daps and stuff but nice. yeah I recommend it it's a good little movie um, Eddie Murphy's great and it's a great uh, kind of supporting cast. Uh, Craig Robinson, obviously, Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key. Right. Um, you know, Wesley Snipes, etc. Fun. But, I'm excited. Yep. It's on Netflix now, by the way. Yep. Tell me about Good Boys. Oh, man. It is the most average, like, forgettable movie. Really? That's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, it was better than the one I watched that night with it, which was Scary Stories. Um... That was the Alexander House double feature that night. Yeah. 
It was good. I mean, Tremblay's great. The kids are funny. The jo- some of the jokes hit, but it's just uh, more of that like super bad humor that is just like kind of running its course on me a little bit. Yeah. How do you compare it against like Blockers? Well, blockers is way better. Okay. Um, there's really no adults in this movie though. Okay. I mean, there are, but they're not. Right. They're, they're irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. No. Blockers at least had like Cena was fucking hilarious. In right. Blockers. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's three kids who are obviously, like, super... Uh, Sheltered? Yeah, just oblivious, I guess, is the word that I would use uh, on on all things drugs and sex. Yeah. And they're, they're in, like, fifth grade or sixth grade, so it, the, the one funny gag is that these two girls, like, these super hot high school seniors... Are trying to go eat a bunch of eggs and go to this like show, this like rave show. Yeah, and uh, they still their dad's drone because the boys are trying to figure out what kissing is, <laughs> and they can't figure out how to use the internet to do it. So that gag is kind of funny because they're just like Google like like kissing videos, and all they find is porn, and it terrifies them. <laughs> um, but they get a hold of the girl's ex, and they get a hold of their dad's drone. So there's like this standoff where they don't want to, and the kids refuse to give them drugs because they think drugs are horrible. Right. And they should flush the drugs. But they can't flush the drugs because they got to get the drug back. Mm. And it's just this whole movie about them trying to do that. Um, but it's cute. There's a, a, a decent little message at the end of your best friends in elementary school won't be your best friends long. Okay. Know, aside from the special one or two. Um, and that's okay. <laughs> okay. But. It's, it's fine. It's a cute little movie. It just is so average in every way. You're going to teach your kids some very blunt lessons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. If you're in seventh grade and you're yeah. like, well, I don't really like him anymore. It's like, you don't have to be best friends with him. Right. Um, it, it made me, yeah. It, it makes me sad that it wasn't better, but I did kind of get the indication from the trailers that they were like blowing all their good jokes. Yeah. And that's what happened. Okay. Um. Well, cool. Uh, I didn't write this down, but we do have one more movie to talk about. Uh, one of us watched the movie on Disney Plus, uh, Shaggy Da. Oh uh, yeah. No, I'm not going to talk about Shaggy Da. But I'm, let's say, at least say this: watch the clip on Disney. There's no trailer, but you can go on Disney Plus and watch like a two minute clip. Watch that, and then read all about the Shaggy Dog universe. Yeah, it, it it's spider webs. It is a wild, expansive universe. <laughs> yes. In a way that we did not understand. No, I mean, the rules of that universe change and change back just so abruptly without any notice or reasoning. Oh, and it's it not... fantastic. And, it, and it's not just the Shaggy Dog movies. It's the SDCU because there are multiple other Disney movies that are in the universe that do not involve Shaggy Dog. Yes. So, re- watch the clip. The fictional watch town the- is... A, it's essentially like a... What's the Stephen King town? Derry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but scarier somehow. <laughs> but yeah, so, so so dip your toes into the Shaggy Dog cinematic universe and uh, who knows, maybe maybe we'll have a whole podcast dedicated to it. Um, but. We'll sign it as homework for David and Brent for not being here. We just, <laughs> well, I won't watch it. I'll be the winner. I will be the winner of the podcast. Uh, but I watched it, so I'm the actual winner. Um, so. Have any other movies you want to talk about? Uh, no. Good. I don't think so. I mean, I watched a couple of 2018 movies that I missed, but I don't really want to spend time on it. 
Go see mid nineties. It was great. Don't watch Red Sparrow. It kind of sucked. Yeah, agree on the Red Sparrow point. Yeah, I watched. I've been playing some games. I watched a, a TV show from start to finish, but I can really save that for later. Yeah, I do have a game that uh, uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about only because <laughs> these people gave me this game for free. One of my like 300 emails I sent out for the podcast. Yeah. They were like, yeah, review our game. Here's a $5 iTunes gift card. <laughs> so uh, the m- game is called Rooms. Okay. It's a puzzle game on um, uh, Google Play and Apple Games. Yeah. Apple Store. <laughs> you know you know those things. Yeah. Uh, it's a puzzle game. It's got a real fun mechanic, though. Essentially, it's a sliding puzzle, and you can only slide the rooms that you are in. Okay. And there's some, like, teleportation devices in there, but the I played through the first 20 levels last night. Uh, it's a super fun little time passer game. The mechanics work way better than other puzzle games of that nature that I've played. Um, and, you know, that makes sense because the game cost money. It wasn't free. Yeah. But holy shit, will I just continue to pay money for games without ads? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It is. Mobile game ads have gotten just, they get worse every day somehow. Yeah. It's way better. The, the, the two games I play pretty consistently on my phone aren't, they're free games, but they have other ways to get your money, but they don't involve ads, and I just am never going to go back to a game that has like, like when you boot it up, and then it's like, well, here's a 30 second ad for a game you're never going to play. It's, it makes me want to throw my phone out the fucking window. The ads aren't even for games anymore. No. I mean, they're, they, they are, but they're they are not honest. Yeah. And it's and it's terrible when you get a an ad that it, they just keep sending you. So it's like, you watch the same the fucking same. Subaru ad like 20 times. In like a five minute span. Yeah. It's so fucking frustrating. But uh, yeah, if you're looking for a new like puzzle game kind of time waster, uh, this has got a little backstory too that's told in like a moving comic kind of way. Sweet. Uh, it's super good. It's uh, made by Hanging Games, but it's, it's really good. Cool. <coughs> so now we're at the portion of the show where we talk about... Uh, Everybody's uh, everybody's favorite social experiment. Yeah, the challenge. Uh. <laughs> no, it was a really good episode of the challenge this week. Uh, there's a guy who has uh, one hand. Who's on it? He's missing basically his index, middle, and ring finger on one of his hands. <laughs> uh, so he's constantly shaka bra. Um, but <clears throat> no, he he went into elimination against a guy who's just like a giant meat mountain. And the goal was basically they had to pull on this rope and then it became tug of war, but you had to stand on a box and if you fell off, you lost. Uh-huh. Um, and he just, with one hand, he couldn't pull as hard, so he just mind-gamed it and just, like, destroyed this guy. And it was really cool to watch. How did he mind-game it? Like, he was watching for tells of when the other guy was going to make a big pull and he would, like, let go, like, give a bunch of uh, slack on the rope so he would fall off the box. Oh, nice. Or, like, he, at one point, acted like he was falling off and so the guy did a big pull and he just, like, balanced himself and let him go. It was really good. It's Fun. like that sounds clever. Yeah, people people actually do play that game with good strategy. Even like the physical challenges is not just like people drinking and fucking. Yeah, but sweet. No, but really, let's talk about Survivor. Oh man, me and Chris were on the uh, verge of quitting the season of Survivor. Yeah, uh, probably as close as I could get without doing it. Honestly, well, that's not true because I was going to give it this week no matter what. Yep, but uh, it was the palate cleanser I needed anyway this week. Yeah. I'm I'm still a little upset at the way that <clears throat> CBS handled it, and I know a lot of people are talking about it, but <clears throat> there's something that, and I really think that this is a strange thing to say, but um, 
you know, a sister network, MTV, shows a show like The Challenge. And if there is ever anything that happens on The Challenge that is remotely controversial, that, like, bleeds into everyday life, like any conversations about sexual assault between two cast members, if they just have a conversation about it, if someone gets bullied and quits the show, if, you know, they talk about, like, a trans person, there is always a slide at the end of the show that says, if you or anyone you know is struggling with the issues, insert, like, blank here. Right. Like, here's a link to resources. Right. And from what I'm reading, that would have done so much good for CBS to just have that. Right. Yeah, I still don't think they handled that well. No. Um, I also don't think that Dan is long for this world still. I'm yeah. holding on to that theory. Um. I think he'll get the boot at some point, and that's probably why the apologies kind of suck so bad, and why everybody's so quiet. Yeah, about the whole thing. Um, but what we did get was Missy, who was, you know, maybe my least favorite non-sexual assaulter on the show. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's interesting. We have to clarify that now. <laughs> yes, and uh, Aaron, who I was starting to like Aaron, and then when he got voted off, I liked him a little more. Yeah. When he was just like, yeah, that was the right play. Yeah. And then, uh, did you watch Ponderosa at all? No. So, they did one Ponderosa video for Missy and Aaron, who both left, and uh, Missy was immediately, when she got there, after Aaron had already been there, was like, why did they do that? That was so stupid. They should have kept us in. And Aaron was like, no, 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 no. That was the total right move, was to get both of us out there. We were going to win. Yeah. And she was like, no, but listen, he was like, no, 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 do you think we were going to win? And she was like, well, yeah. And he was like, well, then that was the right move. <laughs> he was getting, like, real frustrated with her. Yeah. Uh, Brent told me to watch that. I did, and it was way worth it. Also way worth it to see Elizabeth's... Pikachu meme? Dude, yeah, the <laughs> Pikachu meme was great. And also just the, like, her just, like, I lost my, my two besties in one go. Yeah. She's just bottom, like, from the top to the bottom in two travels in one one. Minute span. If Survivor uses this mechanic going forward, that you have two or three different tribes, and then you've got the merge, and you go to tribal council a couple times at the merge, and like regardless of whether there's like a big dominant alliance, you do this. I would love that because it was fun. Because two outcomes, right? You either have a minority play on one of these split tribals where. Because of the numbers, they end up having majority over whatever few alliance members are there, and they play against them. Or, you have the alliance split up evenly across the two tribals, and they get to pick off two people not in the alliance, which makes the inter-alliance infighting happen sooner. Either way, I'm on board for it. Yeah, no, it was great. It was a fun little uh, wrench. I'm not convinced that... So, I know that they don't all stay in a hotel and like dirty themselves up and come out, but I'm not convinced those teams were picked with purpose. Right. Um... He didn't say randomly. He said he will be split into two. Yeah, and he said, yeah, he said, yeah, I think he said we'll draw for teams or pick for teams, but I mean, yeah, the fact that we didn't see them, which we normally do on, on that, some of those, I wouldn't say normally, but I don't know. I just wouldn't be surprised if they were like, and these are the teams. So right. Send home Missy or Elizabeth or Aaron if you want to. Yeah. Or Dan, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a, <laughs> there are a couple of things that happened this episode that are my favorite. Uh, that are plays of quiet characters that I think are hilarious. Uh, and you mentioned one of them to me. Uh, Krishma going out, finding an idol, and then not knowing how to <laughs> sell it to the tribe. Oh my God. When they realize she's been gone for an hour and only has collected two coconuts. So good. She's like, 
oh, I don't feel well, and then acted like a zombie for yeah. an hour. Full credit to Al. Uh, he was like, I love her defense mechanism of full zombie. <laughs> when people were just like, where the fuck were you? Why do you only have two coconuts? And she was just like, <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> I just need a sip of water, and I'm good. Yeah. I just needed that water. Charge up. The the other one was uh, Nora not understanding the game mechanics again, and winning the uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah, win, winning the immunity for her half of the immunity challenge, but then getting so excited that she won the immunity that she basically threw it for her side. Yeah, and so they didn't get sandwiches, which they didn't show people eating. So I wonder if like that was a contentious or not exciting thing to show. I don't know. Um, and they should have eaten it. Okay. They were just talking about other bullshit, I think. Uh, but then they also, and more importantly, didn't get the information of who went home. So they're going to, they, they are dealing, they have a, <clears throat> they didn't have the opportunity to adjust who were, they were voting out, even though I don't think it would have changed uh, based on who went home previously. I also wonder how much that matters because once you're in travel, if you're all voting. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, if you go in there and you know that four people are voting for Aaron, or right. five people in that case are voting for Aaron, like, why are you not just like... Or Missy, I mean. Yeah. Like, if you're Karishma, why are you just like, no, Missy's going home. Like, what does she have to lose? Idle play? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that is literally it. Yeah. <clears throat> the only other thing that I was hoping for was, now that Karishma has an idol, it's clear that Karishma's not stupid, she, I, I don't think she's very good at the social game, but it's clear that she's not dumb. Uh, but I was really hoping that we'd get... Uh, or I thought what Karishma was doing by fighting with Missy was trying to paint a target on her back so that she could play it for herself so that she could then dictate who went home. Because that always comes up at tribals, uh, at the final tribal, whenever they talk about, like, what game did you play? How did you outwit? And, like... Being able to do something like that, where you negate an entire tribal council and then you single-handedly decide who goes home, is, right. like a, is a big move, especially if you t- can take out a big target. Yeah, I guess in her defense there, the big target was already going. Right. So, no need yeah. at that point. Um, what? Nothing. <laughs> Stupid websites aren't working that I need for the next part of the podcast. I'll oh. figure it out. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. It was it was good enough to keep me watching Yeah, uh, for now. Two people from the bad guys team, in my mind, went home. Yeah, one way worse than the other. Right. And it dealt a huge blow to the game of the another, another person I just hate, which is Elizabeth. Yeah. I, d- I feel bad for hating her, because I do think that was a lapse of judgment. I don't feel like she calculated it like Missy did. But man, she just has the quote. Yeah, she said, "So bad." I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll, I'll. I think the quote that pissed me off so bad was like, "I'll play up the whole damn thing." Right, and it's just like, "No, fuck." Yeah. Now, like, I've again, like, I didn't hate Varner after his thing because it was again the same thing, like a lapse of judgment, and he immediately, I think, felt shitty about it. Yeah, and didn't argue when they were like, "Don't, don't, we're not going to vote. We're just going to send you home." Yeah. But Missy was like purposefully doing this because she had a target on her back, and that just seems. I mean, again, it's Survivor, right? It's the whole game is how close can you get to that line, to where you don't piss off the jury members, but you stay on the game. Right. And to me, she crossed it. Right. Um. So, the fact that she went home is 
good because I don't think it was clear to the rest of the tribe there that she crossed that line. Yeah. I think she got away with it. Yeah, I think Elizabeth did too, and I think Dan is too, getting away with all that shit. The Aaron thing was just ignorance. Right. Which is annoying. He, he, I think he was called on to speak, and he spoke instead of admitting. It's like when you're in a when you're in a like a high pressure situation. Like it's okay to say you don't know. Yeah, and, ideally and he didn't do that, and it's really hard to do that too. Right, and especially in that scenario where you're at travel and your job is to talk on TV. Right, but yeah, he had he should have been like, this is the first time hearing about it. I don't know. Right, this is upsetting to me. If yeah. this is true. Either way, something is fucking horrible. Either there's inappropriate touching going on, or people are lying about it, and neither one of those things is good. Right. So, uh, but I was glad to see Missy go. She was a little too conniving. I don't think she was going to win anyway. No. I think she was just fucking full speed up the ramp to more of that gameplay. Yeah. Um, even if she's not that way in real life, she was playing that game like a bully. And that generally won't get you votes. <laughs> And, and her just like so blindly denying that she's playing like a bully was telling to me. It's like she was like, I'm not. Karishma accused her basically of playing like a bully. And she's like, I'm not playing like a bully. I know what I am. I can look myself in the mirror and know that I'm not a bully. <laughs> it's like you are getting so emotional defending that you're not a bully that like you know deep down you've been playing like one. Yeah. But see, the whole thing is that we all know so much more than everybody else in that fucking goddamn island, which that's what's like, in the Ponder Russell video, Kelly was like, I was I was rooting for Missy to win this game. Right. Kelly was saying that. So it's like, Kelly doesn't even fucking know. Right. You know what I mean? Because she didn't get a chance to ask questions or defend herself at all. Yep. Which is still shitty. But, uh, there are move two villains. There's, uh, I think three people that are probably the favorites to win, and I kind of like them all. There's... Uh, Janet, who's everybody's favorite probably at the moment, yeah. and then Elaine and Tommy, who were on the wrong side of that vote. But just, I think that was, if they know what happened, I would feel confident they would be on my side right. of things. Yeah, um, They just didn't fucking know, because they're not getting touched by Dan. Yeah, And they weren't privy to the Missy Elizabeth conversations pre the bad vote. Right. Uh, I think what people got on annoyed by with Elaine was after that where she was like, no, it's not happening because she doesn't fucking know. She goes back to travel. Kelly's gone. Right. The only person who can tell you what's happened right. is gone now. And all she has is Missy and Elizabeth being like, and Dan, yeah, nothing being like, wrong. nothing happened. Right. It was all bullshit. And Elaine's like, oh, okay. So, sorry, Janet. That was fucked up. Yeah. Like Kelly did. Or whatever. But I don't think Elaine ever knew. Um, So, Elaine's good in my book. Janet, obviously. And I'm still a pretty big Tommy fan. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy's, Tommy's, <laughs> it was so funny. Just like, Missy was a liar from start to finish. And like, sure, it's Survivor. I'm not saying that's a character flaw. Right. But it makes for like really stupid TV when, after she gets voted out, which by the way, she had more interaction with the Castaways after getting voted out than I've ever seen. Yeah. Was- um, she hung around a little long enough that Jeff Probst was like, come on, Missy, you've got to go. And Sandra up yeah. there was like, that's, that's it. Yeah. You gotta leave now. But that Missy leans over to Tommy and was like, who did it? And Tommy was like, you came for me. You said my name. I'm not going to do nothing. And she goes, no, I didn't. It's like... The quote was, you came for me. I've got to come for you. And she goes, I wasn't coming for you, bro. Yeah. What? Also, when she was just like, who did it? It's like, the other three people. (laughs) Yeah. 
Not Elizabeth. <laughs> not your best friend. That's it. But everybody else. Yeah. And like also, obviously Tom like she like I don't understand how she didn't think that she didn't that Tom wouldn't immediately know. She voted for Tommy. There are two people's names written down. One was Missy. She didn't fucking vote for herself. <laughs> so that leaves one other person she voted for. Yeah. Which was Tommy. She was just like a blown I think she thought she was playing the perfect game. Yeah. And she was just so far from that. Yeah. It is if to us it seems silly. I think she was like, I'm on the fast track to a million dollars. Right. Then she was just wrong. Yep. Uh, it's also a good move for Tommy to immediately take credit for that move in front of the jury. Oh yeah, like when she said that, and he said that back. I mean, Chris was she didn't know to do yeah. that, you know? Yeah, yeah. What is Chris going to do? Like, oh, it was my move. Missy would have been like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> True. And Elaine is totally playing that. Like, I'm just here because I know if I get in the final three, I got a good shot. Yeah. People keep saying stuff, and they got me confused. Like, <laughs> she's used that line twice now. She ain't dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, it's so crazy how much weight she's already lost. Yeah. She's like, she went from having like a big belly to like, it is, she's slimming down. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm, a, I'm a big Elaine fan just in her demeanor. I always like that character who's like, who, yeah. the, the bumpkin. We had the one last year. It was the first one, first member of the jury was a, that tall, pretty country girl. Yeah. Yeah. She went out right before the uh, wrestler did. Yeah. And it was real funny. All right. So that's Survivor. Uh, and I are still on the ship, uh, almost bailed out. But I'm, I'm I'm back in pretty much for the go. It, something else will need to happen. Yeah, I think. You got any news? Man, I really don't don't have a ton of news. Uh, check the website. Oscar predictions for end of November will be up next week before Thanksgiving. Sweet. Um, for David and I, and I'm, I'm assuming Chris will hop on that train probably in December. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get on that probably. Closer to the noms, I might jump on for the last. Yeah, um, and don't forget if you're like putting off watching movies in the theater, like me and Chris have been. Uh, don't get on there. Watch what the, those recommendations aren't ours. They are recommendations pulled from people who are better at their jobs than we are. So they're pretty sound. Uh, but start watching shit because all the Oscar shits get pushed up this year. January, early January, mid January is the noms and the ceremonies a month earlier too. Yeah. So. If you like watching all the best picture noms or all the acting noms or whatever, get on there. We'll tell you what to go see. Yep. And speaking of, let's tell people what to go see this upcoming weekend. I got two options on a holiday weekend, so you can probably see both. Yeah. Uh, one is a movie that I heard about a lot earlier on, and I think now it's just going to be an indie darling. I've not looked at any critical reviews of it yet, but uh, Queen and Slim is dropping this weekend, Yep. which looks fun. Uh, you got the director on that? Lena Waite. Nope, that's a screenplay by Lena Waite. Um, but, uh, it's starring Daniel Kaluuya and, oh, directed by, uh, Melina Matsukas. She's a music video director. Oh, nice. Uh, it's pretty much a take the money and run kind of, uh, couple that's not a couple are, are on the run getting chased. Yeah. Uh, some, some good, like, you know. Racial, I don't want to call them undertones because it seemed to be a pretty prominent part of the movie, uh, but are the driving force in the film. And it looks like it's good, and I'm a big Dale Kaluuya fan. Yep. And he's apparently been great in everything he's been in since Get Out, even though I've only seen, I haven't seen any of the films since then. Uh, and it's got, uh, you didn't see um, uh, Widows? Widows? I didn't see it. No, oh, I did. He was, he was good in it. Playing a pure villain. Yeah, cool. he looked like scary as fuck. Yeah. 
Uh, but also Bokeem Woodbine. And then it is the year of Sturgill Simpson, because he is also in a co-starring role in this oh, movie. Oh, fun. Um, and then you got uh, Knives Out coming out this weekend, which I'm super excited about. And you should be too. And you should also go support Ryan Johnson, who made one of the like three best Star Wars movies in existence. <laughs> oh, Phantom Menace? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, his uh, whodunit Agatha Christie nod film is coming out. And uh, the cast in that looks fantastic and it's just ridiculously deep. Yep. It's getting um, good reviews. Yeah, of course it is. It's fucking Ryan Johnson. He's a really good filmmaker. Yeah. And it's Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, like. Yeah. And Armas. Yeah. And it's a straight up, like, it's a family, so it's not this, but it is the, and then there were none plot. Yeah, we all show up at this mansion, and we're getting killed off one by one. Yeah. Who's the bad guy? And it's got one of my favorite actors working today, Lakeith Stanfield, in it. Yeah. Love him. But yeah. Again, we saw a trailer real quick for Uncut Gems. Have you seen watch the trailer for this? Do you mm-hmm. know what Uncut Gems is? No. Critically acclaimed uh, action thriller starring Lakeith Stanfield and Adam Sandler. It apparently is just amazing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, it's on Netflix now. All right. So, uh, but like super high numbers on Metacritic. Adam Sandler is amazing in this action drama where he plays this guy who gets on the bad side of some loan sharks. Huh. I, I watched that dumb Jennifer Aniston uh, Adam Sandler movie earlier this year. Yeah, me and Brent watched it. Yeah, it's like it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I think I think that there's I, those movies are are great. Just like turn your brain off. Yeah, movie candy. Like, the, I mean, just go with it was a, the Jennifer Aniston, like, yeah, it's fine. It's a fucking shitty rom-com. Yeah. There's, there, there is a pendulum swing of Adam Sandler movies from, like, like, good to bad that I think that we are, like, swinging towards good again. It, yeah. And then when I think about, like, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, and when you say stuff like, oh, they're good, turn off your brain, have good, have a fun time watching them. That's what those are, too. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, I think we just are too nostalgic about those. Yeah. And... You know, we, those are just like mindless Tommy Boy, fun Black comedies. Sheep. They're all those. Yeah. They're the same vein. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I guess on the what to watch tip, uh, I would definitely say go see both. But obviously with all the bullshit from The Last Jedi, I'm going to tell people to go see Knives Out. Well, there's, there's a, there's a way we can recommend them both. I'm going to go see, say, I'm going to say, go see. I'm going to say see. Queen and Slim. Yeah, they both look good. Uh, so go check either out. It's a holiday. You've got two days off work. Yeah. Go see them both. Yeah. You hate your family anyway. Take us out, Chris. All right. TJ, the outro. No, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Backfire. All right. This has been Talk Talk Podcast from MediaBias.com. You can find us on Facebook with our groups or interact with our page. We love having conversations on there. We are super active. So if you want to get in touch with us directly, that's where to do it. Yep. You can send us an email. It's TheMediaBias at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at TheMediaBias. Um, and then please give us a rating on your favorite pod snatching app. We really appreciate it. Um, special thanks to the Willow Walkers for the intro music. Willow Walker! And special thanks to Burrito for your outro. And thanks for listening and thanks TJ. Bye. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things